You've now locked into Living Blessed, the podcast, where we're talking the highs, the lows, the darkest moments that we've all hidden from the world, and everything in between. This is the moment of truth. This is why we're living blessed. And now, your host, Jovan J. Palmer. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Living Blessed, the podcast. I'm your host, Jovan J. Palmer, and I got a very special and dope guest. It goes by the name of River Jones. How you doing, River? I am well. It's good to see you. You as well. I haven't seen you since the last Greenlit. Yeah, it's been a minute. Dang, <laughs> that was the pandemic. Yo, so we hitting a year. Yes, but you just discussed that you've been doing some traveling. I have. How's I have. It been? Go and tell the people about yourself. Who you yes, are. yes. River Jones, uh, your mental health coach. And if you don't know, now you know. Um, boxing and rapping have been my therapy. So that's how I got into the mental health field. And um, it kind of ties back into the traveling. So I've been on this mission to develop myself and develop mm-hmm. my business. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and doing so in a way where I'm giving myself experiences, doing so in a way where I'm practicing what I preach. Mm-hmm. So I started to believe in this thing uh, called crazy faith, you know, <laughs> taking leaps Super of faith. Super crazy. Super crazy, right? So just trusting that, like, no matter what, I'm going to win. Now, I mm-hmm. may choose the hard route. Right, so I'm right. learning, okay, what, what is the, the, the path of least resistance? And what I've been learning along the way is that it, environment does matter. You know, your, the surroundings of what people you're around matter, you know. And the more and more I'm seeking to understand my drive and myself, because I used to have people tell me all the time, you know, take care of you before you take care of other people. Mm-hmm. That didn't set right with me because it sounds selfish in a very toxic way. I'm, I'm just not learning that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just not learning. Yo, that is the coldest lesson because... As a, as the oldest sibling and as just a natural giver and, and the yeah. leader and mm-hmm. called upon to you know to to really look after people, it felt like a requirement yeah. for me to to be my best self. It's just mm-hmm. like to be self sacrificial. And yeah. so in my journey to say, okay, what what do I desire? And going on this kind of nomad hunt of like you know where do where do I belong? Where do I fit in? And also where, where do I thrive the most? Um, I found myself in uh, New Jersey, you know, Georgia. Georgia was a, a trip in itself. I'm from Washington State, you know, West Coast. How you get over here? <laughs> that part, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, really. I was I was teaching a class out there, uh-huh. and it was a joke, like legit a joke. Like <laughs> I didn't expect to really do it, but I had a student. Um, who kind of challenged me to think of something creative to do the next day. And so my creative activity was to ask them, what did you want to be when you grew up? So we all got the answers. Some kids said like, yo, nobody ever asked me that before. Blew my mind, right? And then, of course, someone asked me, okay, Miss Jones, what do you want to be when you grew up? And it hit you. I, yeah, I hadn't really prepared an now, answer. How, how old were you at this time? At this time... I was 18 going on 19 and my student, no, no, I was 19 going on 20, 19 going on 20. And my students were anywhere from 25 to 28. They were in a um, transitional housing program. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they're older than me at that, you know, <laughs> but there's like going in that, uh, um, you know, drug abuse. Um, some just, just have just been homeless for years, you know, some um, being foster students, um, all, all kind of stuff, you know, yeah. so I I really was just meeting them where they were at with giving them community resources and stuff. But the conversations would get so, like with my caseload anyway, they would just get so deep that we began to have organized 
like workshops and sessions and I started teaching meditation uh, classes and <laughs> bringing them oils and stuff just at random but eventually it got more organized you know mm. so I would bring in I'm playing ET in the morning to wake them up and stuff so I'm the only one like I would abuse the uh, the speakers I'm <laughs> <you know? laughs> and, I, and I, I'm waking them up you know uh, you know you owe you an explanation you right. know <laughs> yeah. so, okay. like word up yeah, yeah but it yeah. would get them it would get them hyped for the ones that would listen they listen yeah. and so when I asked them like what they wanted to be my follow-up though this is like my little fun kicker like you didn't see it coming you know uh, i was like okay who told you you couldn't do that what resources do you need because we can get them resources right now today so when they asked me what did i want to be when i grew up you know i said the first thing that come to mind you know i wanted to be a rapper mm. i started rapping when i was three you know so it was like my my long term wish and goal was like by the time i'm 18 i'm gonna buy my mama house and do all this like crazy dope rapper lifestyle stuff you know yeah and uh it didn't exactly pan out that way and um they started laughing when i said it though when i said i wanted to be a rapper because they had known me as the meditation lady you know so, <laughs> so just it didn't make sense to them <laughs> like you're looking at me like yo you, you the rapper. rapper yeah so it was just like an uproar and i'm like oh y'all y'all think it's funny i'm like no for real i wanted to go to atl you know be nunu marry ti and go to spellman and like for real i watched the movie atl and just got like convinced that that was my life as a kid and they completely just like started rolling but my, my mind went to your class means nothing if you don't hold yourself accountable the way you're holding them accountable to what mm, they said first yeah, of mind. Yeah, yeah. So what would you say to one of your students if they said something as crazy and wild as that? And it's like, it may seem like a far stretch, but I would say like, go see what God got for you in Georgia then. Since Georgia is what you said, right? Now, everybody in there didn't set a career, you know, things that they can do in town. Yeah. I didn't pick relocation. Right. I'm like, nah, I can't hold myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big commitment, where, though. Where I'm going? Washington State yeah. all the way to Georgia. Yeah, but I was so big on integrity at the time. Mm. I was so big on um, not, not being seen as fake because I had just went through three name changes within uh, two years. Wait, you changed your name three times? Yeah, man. Um, to what? My first time. So you never always been River? So your river's not your birth name. It's not. It's a, it's a really cool name. I like. Thank I love you. very unique names. Like when I have kids, I want to like really name them unique names, right. like a river, right? Because I know it has a very deep meaning, and I want to mm -hmm. touch on that when we get to that point. So, Will what's do. your birth name? Salicia, Salicia Ciciana Searles was my original name. Salicia Sarasano Ciciana Ciciana Searles Searles. Yes, that's a lot of S's. I know. Yeah, SSS. Mm -hmm. I was slithering. You know? <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> but yeah, Celicia Ciciana Searles. And um, my mother's um, husband's last name was Dillingham. And so I carried Dillingham publicly. Like all of, <laughs> from, from three years old till 18. So my boxing career was under that name. My school documents were under that name. But when I went to get my diploma... It wasn't legal. And Searles, <coughs> Celicia Ciciana Searles, didn't have a history. So they were like, yo, you're going to either have to go back and redo all your schooling in this uh, this legal name, or you're going to have to go get a legal name change. Do all your schooling all over? All my schooling. They from like, kindergarten? <laughs> they had no history of a Dillingham. From three years old, my mom got married when I was three. So from all of my history from three through my senior graduation, they were like, yo, you're not getting this diploma because you don't exist. So... How did this happen? Did your mom, so your mom got re, got married mm -hmm. to your stepdad. Mm -hmm. And 
wrote on paper. Wrote on paper just saying that my daughter's last name is Dillingham. Dillingham. Period. But didn't go to like through like the whole social Ish. security office and is it because so. she just didn't know or I mean she had me at 14, so I'm sure there was some information missing that, that oh, was a real really young mom. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yo, wow. and so there was a lot that uh <laughs> that came of that, but for sure the name changed the biggest in Legit, like the, my birth certificate was even like she, she even the way my middle name was spelled, she was like, "Yo, your grandma did not write this right." You know, I was sedated. I could, <laughs> I couldn't. Oh, so your get grandmother it. gave you that name? Um, yeah. Well, it was it was what she it was a spelling that was wrong. It was my original name, but the spelling wasn't even correct. On my so, is your last name is that connected to your birth dad? So Jones is actually my my biological father's last name. So I took his name on when I decided you're, you're to change my name. Jones now. Yeah. That was my last, so that was my third name change. Okay, so before we get to the third name, <laughs> I'm very interested in River. Yeah. Second name. Yeah. Dillingham, my mother's um, husband's last name. So that, so we're still at the first name. Silesia. Silesia, Ciciana. Yep, I kept It's still, that. so that's second name change. Yeah. Legally. Legally. So you, how did you, so <clears throat> you legally went and go change the paperwork out mm-hmm. in Washington State. Right. In and order then to get you, my diploma. In order to get you, so you turn that into school. Right. They solidify everything. You get your diploma, high school diploma. Yeah. What's next? <laughs> get the high school diploma. I'm about to be just grown and free, figure out what college I want to go to, all this good stuff. And I had actually left home at 16, so before that name change, right? And I had to regain a relationship with my parents, my, my mother and her husband. Um, because domestic violence had like broke out in the house, mm. and I told you about that me, me being the oldest thing, like that kind of complex I had about protection, and I, I really had an identity crisis because <laughs> I felt like if I was my mom's son, this wouldn't be going down. Mm. I felt like because I was a female, I was looked at like there's nothing you can do. What, yeah, what, what you, you gonna, gonna do? do? Yeah, you just a girl. But me being a boxer, also from the age nine <laughs> through that time. And then being third in the nation, you know, I end up, I end up getting, a, you know, yeah, third in the nation. Yeah, I got that from from my weight class. Let's be. Let's I mean, that's still good yes. though. Yeah, don't yes. let's not belittle that. Yes, I, you know, I wasn't too happy about it because I didn't get first. You know, boxing comes with this ego mind. Like if you don't be undefeated and yeah, win, yeah, then yeah. You, you know, it was nice, but it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't what you wanted. Yeah, right, I didn't go right. there for that. That's not okay, what I was doing. Okay. But but you know, I did right. So I had earned and gained a certain type of respect as a fighter, mm-hmm. right? But the metaphorical sense of fighting is what really, like, I took on. Just, I guess, just being a poet, you know, but being able to look at life in a, in a boxer's mentality and move differently um, spiritually and emotionally because of it, but I couldn't bring myself to fighting this man. Mm-hmm. I respected him and loved him. Yeah. You know, I wanted him good, too. So it was conflicting feelings. So I just left. I was like, yeah, I just got to get out of here. That'd be a lot, though. Just got to get out of here. Yeah. So, yeah, I just left. So when I did get the name change, I was still kind of rocky with my, my mom's husband. Me, me and my pops were like, yeah, we cool, but yeah. we, we, we kind of rocky right now. We still trying to regain trust and establish mm-hmm. relationships. So I'm in and out the house, and I get a call that... um. My parents uh, had sexually abused, you know, rape was the term they used. My ex-girlfriend. Your parents did that? Yo, I wasn't there, but uh, they admitted it. She said it. There's documentation, all kind of stuff. Things happen, right? They apologized to me about it even. I'm sorry. Yeah, word up. 
Um, Word up. My heart is racing. Word um, up. Because my heart goes out to people who all rape victims because I was a victim of rape as well. Mm. So I just, I just had a moment. All right, go ahead. Yeah, man. Go yeah, ahead. thank you for saying that, you know, because there's a lot of men who yeah. have and won't even. For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad yeah. talk about it. <laughs> Listen, I'm vocal about mine now. Yeah. yeah. Take some time, right? A like, lot. Took me almost 16, 17 years. Wow. Does it even say anything to anybody? Mm. So, yeah. Like, yeah. See, mine, I had practice because I had I had went through some abuse as a child with cousins and, and babysitters mm. and things like that. And so that happened, you know, from age four through 12. How did that affect and so, you? interestingly enough, I, I didn't think it did. Really? Yeah, I really didn't think it did. Um, it, it made my relationship with trusting God and trusting my mother estranged. I didn't know. I had one of my first situations with a female, she had me put my hand on a Bible and like put my other, you know, my right hand up, my left hand on the Bible, and like promise, you know, whatever happens tonight, you're not gonna say anything. I know it was about to go down, you know, I'm about six or seven years old, and I'm just like, all right, you know, I gotta listen. So my idea was, my understanding anyway, was that if I didn't do what she asked me to do that evening, I was going to hell. And if I told anybody about what I did that evening, I was going to hell. <laughs> so let's okay? pause for a second. Okay. Where yeah. does the. I want to jump right back into this, though, but I got to mm -hmm. ask this question because it ties into what you just said. Right. Where does your thought of going to hell come from? Oh, as a child? As a child. It, you know what's interesting? Because now it's different, definitely different. But as a child, um, my great-grandfather, um, Deacon, Deacon Manning, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Deacon Manning, okay? This man is 89 years old this year. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's like my best friend right now, legit. And <laughs> we talk. All the time about everything. Folks been talking to me, do you know River's pregnant? Do you know she changed her name for real? Like, we talk. He knows before he anybody knows. else. Y'all right, right. get social media info. You don't get the, you know, you don't get the in uh, and out. fresh off the crop. Exactly. Yeah, we, we talk. <laughs> That's my guy, man. He's like, he's been there since I was like born in the hospital. You know what I mean? He's like my real down since day mm. one. So either way, um, he had always like kept me in a church, right? So a little bit of exposure to that, but I would fall asleep during sermons and be woke and live during, you know, the, yeah, the praise, praise and worship. And worship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then pass, as soon as, they, soon as the snacks is gone and, you know, ain't no more mints being passed around, <laughs> you know, the little caramel candies. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. Like, you got another butterscotch? No? Okay. All right. I'm out. Yeah, it's a wrap. So, uh, word up, though, like, my idea was just like, you're, I, I remember some story about now, now that I know the story for real, for real, but I just, I remember, like, um, somebody being put in, in flames, you know, and then mm -hmm. coming out unburned. But I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to come out unburned, you know, I might yeah. get burnt. <laughs> and it's supposed to be internal, like forever. So you're just forever and, you know, burning, burning. That just sounds like horrible. Like you just in flames and, and forever, like abandoned, not loved, not with your family. You just, it just sounded torturous. So mm -hmm. you're just in torture for forever. So I'm like, yeah. And after a while, so I believe like, yo, this is hell. This is torture. Like living here is hell. Like this must be hell. So right. I want to get to the other side and see, right. see what else is out there. You know where. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Show me where heaven is. You know, um, now I believe both coexist. I believe it's all right here, mm. you know, and we get to choose to experience it. But um, as a child, yeah, that was definitely like, I just had this fear of, um, dying for one, because it's so crazy. But yeah, I, I fear of that I was just gonna die, and um, if not immediately, then whatever I did die, it was gonna be horrible, and I'd be disconnected from my family and burning. Yeah, that was my true belief. That's deep. 
yo, where'd I get it from? I mean, I believe like a Pieces lot of, of us, bits. you know, who grew up in the church, that's our thought. Because mine was pretty much the same in a sense too. Like, mm-hmm. it's different now. I look at everything different now. But I believe us growing into a church, especially, you know, a predominantly black church that you went to, it's kind of, that's kind of what was pushed towards, you know, towards. I know for me, it was just like, that's what hell was. Like, right. place fire, brimstone. Place you don't want to go, so you gotta live right. You gotta act right. You gotta do right. And you know yep. the Bible was the cornerstone for everything. Mm-hmm. Especially as a child, you know, for our grandparents or whomever you know maybe, like I said, you, you know, the deacon had you in church. Yeah. Um, that's just what it was. Mm-hmm. So I, I get it. I just want. Yeah. I really just want to know. So so let's jump back yeah, into the story. Yeah, yeah. So, on the Bible. Yeah, man. So everything under the moon that could have happened with that girl that night. I mean, I got to the point where I was so uncomfortable. I went to the kitchen to get like a sandwich bag to cover my tongue. My tongue. I, I didn't realize they really had. There's really like female condoms, but yeah. I created one. <laughs> I, I realized. I mean, I wasn't old enough to know that that was right, a thing. Right, right, right. But I said, I need something between this. This. I don't like the taste of none of this, boy. It was, it was, <laughs> Yo, and my pops try to blame my, you know, my early experiences. Man, this is why you like females. Nah, actually, if anything, this would be why I don't like females. <laughs> if you only knew, I mean, the toes and everything. There wasn't nothing we did not experience that night. And she didn't do no work, okay? So it was horrible. <laughs> it was, mm-mm. Uh, no, oh. never again, you know. But, but uh, you know, I've had my experiences since then. But uh, real life, like... With that situation, mm. all the way—I mean, there was multiple, you know, with guys, with 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 females, yeah, um, just ongoing throughout my childhood. I thought, you know, it became so normalized. I could have easily been a prostitute because it was just like I exchanged sexual favors to do childlike things. Like if somebody had like a a slurpy machine or the trampoline, or if I wanted to do something the big kids were doing, I couldn't. Like it, instead of them asking me, after a while, it became an offer. Mm. You know, it didn't even come to an um, understanding and a realization until I had actually um, inflicted that same situation on another young man in my family. Mm-hmm. And my parents like flipped like, yo, what? why would you ruin this kid's innocence? Yeah, like, yeah. And I was the bad guy, you know. Um, then we had a conversation later on, like, well, we know where you could have got this from. You know, did so-and-so show you this book, this, that, and the other? And I'm like, well, yeah, but... I was scared to talk about anything else about right, right. you know, yeah, but it was a whole sure. it was a whole plethora of experiences. Um, and, and well, I wasn't it wasn't until I was uh, fifteen when I decided to finally tell my mom everything, and I had to write it down. And I was I had been with um, more than like sixteen people before I was nine years old. Wow. Yeah, and so when I realized that. And at this time, I'm, I'm in high school, and I'm, I'm going to a private school for the first time, and we talking about God and just, you know, uh, repentance and all. It's a Catholic school, too. Mm. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Shout out uh, to Bellarmine. <laughs> Bellarmine did me right. But it was it was deep in the in the repentance joint. And I was like, I don't want to talk to no random stranger in the box, but I'll tell my mama, you know, I'll go, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll confess uh, yeah, to somebody, right, right, you right, know. Right. So I, I made the list. <laughs> it blew my mind. And as I would write one name down, I would remember somebody else and remember somebody else and be like, yo, mm. and I remember their names. Really? Crazy, yo. You remember names. I don't remember names. Yeah, but a I lot really of them were family and stuff, and there were people who were around. Who were around often. and kind of close. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So in the writing of this letter to your mom, how what's going through your mind and what's this feeling like? Because I was I wanted to die. I was like, yo, I don't even want to live after this. You're gonna either whoop me or I'm gonna live in shame. I don't want I don't want to deal with it. Like, I was done. Yeah, I, I was like, I oh, my it. life is over. Yeah, like seriously. <laughs> this is the end. Mm. 
I feel you. I feel you a thousand percent because I was in that same predicament. Mm -hmm. I wrote my mom and dad a letter telling them about everything. Well, I, I told mm -hmm. them verbally about my abuse. Right. But as far as like, you know, what happened after the abuse, as far as like, you know, the different men and different women, mm -hmm. that was the hard part. Because I'm feeling like, you know, how you're feeling. Like my life is over. My road is over. Like my secret is out. Yeah. And so, like, as you're writing this letter, like, you know, what's your feeling? That's, you know, how's your heart beating? You know, how's your fingers feeling? Like, yo, are you trembling? Yo, it was so wild because it, it transitioned. Because at first I was just, I was kind of writing for myself. But I'm like, yo, I have to confess it. I have to give this to my mom. So it went from me just getting it out to saying, yo, this I got to give this to my mom. So I started talking to her in the letter. And then it transitioned from me just talking about my experiences, but also, you know, why... Um, I couldn't I couldn't live in the house anymore and you know my issues with with the whole domestic violence thing because my, my father my, my mother's husband he cried to me about beating my mother mm -hmm. and asked for my <clears throat> forgiveness so a lot of people would, would just have the notion that I would have this resentment and I ain't gonna tell you what happened next but <laughs> they have the notion that I would have resentment there was there was so much love there and so much communication that I seen the mental illness before I had terminology for depression and anxiety and PTSD. You so know, I didn't have the terms. Now, how old were you then? At the time, I was uh, 15 going on 16. 15 at 16, yeah. you're seeing mental illnesses in your family, but you just can't pinpoint it. Yeah, it's my sophomore year in high school. Yeah. And it was heavy. And it had just been escalating over the years. But at that point, it had just gotten so... <laughs> So in our, because my, my parents would hide even when they had a disagreement. They wouldn't even want to just get rowdy around us. You know, sometimes we walk in after school or something and hear them a little loud and they would quiet down. Like, okay, the kids is here, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, a few years go by and um, now we flipping couches and, you know, kids is here and we yelling and we calling each other out of names. And I'm like, oh, this is different. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so it got violent, you know, it got really violent. So, I, you know, that was really my, like, that's why I left. And so when, when it came to the name change, okay, because that's how we got here, I, I was still getting comfortable with, like, being home and feeling at home home. You know, I didn't feel like I belonged there, and I wasn't comfortable. Mm. <laughs> you know, my mom pretty much, she kind of tricked me, get me back to the house. She did. She was like, man, your dad wants to see you. Just that. And I get there, this man don't want to talk to me at all. I'm like, oh, you played me, ma? She's like, no, y'all need to talk. I'm like, we don't need to talk about nothing. Unless we about to fight or y'all about to divorce. <laughs> we don't need to talk. Dang. <laughs> but, but she just wanted everybody to just like, you know. So what do you, so let's. Take another pause real quick, mm -hmm. because that's something that's very conflicting in a lot of families. When you've experienced, either experienced abuse or seen abuse, right. it's like there's always somebody who wants to mend somebody back together. Mm -hmm. And that's happened to me personally. Mm -hmm. And how do you, so how do you work with somebody and they're like, you know, because you do mental health coaching now. Right. And they're in the same situation that you're in, like that same mm -hmm. type of predicament where it's like, Somebody wants me to amend this relationship with this person, but I just can't see it. But I'm trying to do it because it's, it's the right thing to do or it's a godly thing to mm -hmm. do, but I just can't do it. There's, there's a couple things that come with that. 
Um, you know how they say like forgiveness is for you and not other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I used to get on my. I hated that. Really, I hated. Why? <laughs> <laughs> why? I was like, what is forgiving them going to do for me? For sure. Honestly, that was my attitude. And what I recognized was that the harboring of it, I must have read a quote some, somewhere and it says something like holding a hot stone and hoping someone else gets burnt, you know? And I'm like, yo, that's, that's heavy. Holding Hold- a hot stone. Unforgiveness is like holding a hot stone, just a fiery hot stone. I don't know if you ever got, got them hot stones, but they hot. And you hoping them. it burns somebody else. Because you just don't forgive them. So you holding on to it. I'm like, wow. And the more and more I got into the studies of energy and things like that, when you have this stuff, it'll block your blessings when you're harboring that type of, you're you're putting it out in the atmosphere. You know what I mean? You're you're harboring that type of resentment. Mm -hmm. So first of all, it's not even about like, you know, uh, mending and making the relationship something because we don't have control over the relationship. For sure. And we don't have control over, because a relationship is two ways. We don't have control over their acceptance of it or not. But making our peace with, okay, there was something that happened here that I disagree with that doesn't resonate with me, right? But that doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make you sick and toxic. That makes the action right here toxic for me because this is how it influenced me. Mm-hmm. It, you may do that same thing with somebody else and they love it and thrive off of it. Have a whole different experience with life. But for me, right, this is what it done for me. So now there's boundaries but I don't have to harbor hate, right? So now the conversation can be, there's a a dynamic shift in a relationship, yes, but the relationship doesn't have to not exist at all. Now, if the other person is willing to meet you and y'all figure out how we can still be cordial, (laughs) that's that's neither here nor there. It, It really just depends. But making your peace with the situation and not putting it, like every time I see you, all I can see is the situation. I need help. Come on. I need help because- what you just explained is where I, where I'm currently at. You right. know, like it's just hard for me to want to like I've I've gotten better over the years for sure, but it's just kind of like it's hard for me to see face to face and eye to eye with my abuser. Right. And we've had conversations where they went pretty, they went well, smoothly, and we talked about life and updates and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's just times where I just don't want to. Yeah, And then there's times where when I don't want to, there's like a peak of guilt that sometimes hits Mm. me. And that's what I'm working through in therapy right now is like the guilt factor that I have that comes that I'm that's that I'm associated with when and not even just that, but just various things. Yeah, because it that that's a whole symptom of just what happens. Yeah, that it's a result. It Mm -hmm. is a result of it. And part of that, it has nothing to do with, with other, at this point, it's not about them and what they did. For sure. It's about how you see yourself in that situation, mm. right? Because when you see yourself as like, yo, I'm this strong, protective provider, whoever you see yourself as, but then you look back at that situation, it's like, that does not reflect who I am. It puts me in this vulnerable state. It puts me in, this weak, it puts me in like a, a gullible state. It puts me in whatever, whatever you think of yourself in that moment, right? So it's a matter of forgiving that version of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of saying, yo, I love that version of myself and I understand because sometimes we don't understand why would I do that? You know, yeah, so we're, we're having yeah, yeah. to. So it's not about the person. It's really about like that, <laughs> that inner peace It's so corny, but it's so <laughs> true. Like really looking at yourself and saying, yo, do I really forgive myself? Because at some point you have forgiven them enough to communicate with them. But can you go back with that version of yourself? Imagine who you were in that moment and communicate with yourself. 
And I know that that's like some crazy, you know, third person way of, of living nah, your life, sure. but taking yeah. some time to even write a letter and then you meditate in the response. You know, you, you write the letter, you ask the questions, you say the things that, you know, they're frustrated that this happened and that you, you held it this way and that you, you know, that you, you healed this way and you hurt this way. And it, I don't, I don't like what it did to me. Cause that's really where you're at now. Like you've gotten past. I don't like that it happened. For sure, it happened. Right, right. I'm right? definitely past that. <laughs> so yeah. You, you, you crossed that bridge. Mm-hmm. You know. Now the next bridge is the. Okay, now it's me. I'm I'm dealing with the aftermath, mm-hmm. the debris mm-hmm. of the war. So you and won that's the, the war. Hardest. <laughs> you part. won the war. Yeah. This is just this is a battle. It's not even the hardest. It's just like last run. It it only feels the hardest because you've done so much already, so much work. Mm. So now you're kind of just like tired, like you burnt out, but you're not realizing how much muscle you didn't gain. You're not even checking. Like you ever been to the gym and you just working out, working out, yeah, working yeah, out, working yeah. out. Yeah. Like, you don't yeah. realize that you've enhanced your ability to do more reps until you look in the mirror and take a break, breathe for a second. Sometimes we just healing, 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 healing. I tell some of my clients, yo, go. Come back to me when you're ready. Take a break. Go live life with this new version of yourself. Get to know you on another level. And then let's pick it back up. Sometimes we, we do so much continue, continuous work that we get to burnout and then get frustrated about being burnt out. <laughs> you, you're a human. Yeah, we're natural and supernatural. For sure. But did you give your supernatural fuel? Yeah, Did you yeah. let your natural get the rest you need? You know, like give yourself a breather. And then recognize that it's no longer between you and them. This is you really checking what are all the negative things that have came out of you seeing or not seeing yourself in that situation. And how is that like transitioning to now? Like what parts of it are, are still present? You're like, you know, this comes from that. When I see somebody who looks like this, are you still triggered? You know, are there still things that like bring up the situation? Right. And like, how do you disarm those things? It depends on what they are. Because there's a different way to disarm something that's a sound that's a trigger versus right. something that's a visual thing that's a mm-hmm. trigger, you know? Yep. And it depends on the person as well. Like, this stuff is so intricate of a process, right? So that's why I really love the one-on-one work, but it is work. It's a lot of <laughs> You work. know, a it's, lot. it's a work for the, a person on the outside to be able to step in and be a part of something that they may be disconnected from. But, you know, honestly, because of interconnectedness, it's, a, it's actually a lot easier than it seems to be able to be empathic and feel what you feel. yeah. You know, however, the challenge is now us both learning you to get you through to the other side, right? It's not about learning the maze. The maze is going to be whatever it is. It might shift and and change along the way. But once you know your superpower, once you know, okay, there's the part that that pains me about me, Mm -hmm. then you you get over your kryptonite, (laughs) you know? Yeah, man. Um, That's deep. It feels very vague of the answer. I don't think it was vague at all. I think it it was very insightful. Thank you. Okay. Very insightful, and that's that. That's like I said. That's the that's the stage I'm in now. You know, and my therapist. You know, she always reminds me that I got to look at myself and I got to. You know, all the proofs, all anything you you just said, and it's so hard to really look at yourself in that eye because it's like you know you fought so hard to get to where you are now. And it's don't like, don't do it. Then just turn the lights off. Do it in the dark. Don't even write it out. Turn a recorder on and speak. If you can't handle hearing your voice, then right, turn a candle on though, instead of having the lights on. When you get out of that moment, that's when you turn the lights on and turn on the mirror and read it to yourself in the mirror. Now that's the hard part. But you just admitting saying, okay, this is what it really is. Yeah, it, it's going to feel deep. But when you get out of it, <laughs> it's going to be like, yo, that was the easiest part. Because it's going to give you so much more than you had to give mm. in that moment. It, 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 when they talk about tenfold, 
doing that type of self-work, when you sit down and you write out like, this is all of what it is. If it takes 10 minutes, if it takes an hour, just keep writing until you're like, Ooh, I felt that. <laughs> okay. Keep writing until you just can't, there's nothing else to say. Like I've said it all. But as you begin to write, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring up some stuff. Oh, yeah. It's going to put you in a place. But this is why, um, I, I and I love, I don't know if you ever read, um, Sacred Woman. They, they, so Queen of Fool, her son now has like a whole nother man's version. But I'm reading Sacred Woman. Um, I'm going to get the man's version ASAP. What's it called? Um, that's what I do not know. <laughs> We'll I apologize. No, no, yes. we'll figure it out. We'll figure but, it out. But uh, definitely check that out because, you know, shouts out to them for doing this healing work. Like, she's the type of mother who was like, oh, I'm not even going to, like, I'm giving my my son spring rolls and stuff to go to school with. And he getting bullied about it. Oh, well, you're going to eat healthy, like, as a child. So she's been Dang. practicing in the health. And now he's a whole grown man. And he's got, you know, he's got a, um, a whole segment for, for men's healing as well. And so what, what's beautiful about, like, some of her practices, it taught me about a sacred space, mm-hmm. about the temple, about you know just different ways of seeing yourself. And so when you do this work, it's good to, the environment's so important because it is, I don't even like the word vulnerable. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I really don't, I think it's corny, um, but it is a space where you get naked with yourself mm. and not everybody's comfortable seeing themselves naked. That's true. But once you start to strip off all the things that you're covering up to just make yourself feel better and you realize that like, once you can accept this, that's that's the real feeling good. Yeah, that's yeah. the real feeling better because all this other stuff is is extra. And honestly, it's a cover up, and it, it feels over time it's like covering up spilt milk. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it, yeah, yeah. It, it, it still, just get nasty. Right. It just get real nasty, and then you become bitter, and you can't really uh-huh. be happy. You just kind of putting on a smile because it looks good, but you don't really feel that way. So when you get to the truth. And you take time to love you and your nakedness that's in, in body. So when you write, I, I do suggest this. This is my suggestion. Like if you could be naked when you write, do that. Do that. So what is, so writing naked, what does that do for the human soul? As, think, think of what being naked really is. It's, mm. it's, it's a sacred space. Not everybody's invited in. Oh. Right, <laughs> this okay. isn't for this isn't, this isn't for the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, this ain't this ain't for your counselor. This ain't for the homies. This, this ain't even for the for the spouse. You know, this this is for you with you. Now, what's beautiful about the spouse situation? If you do have a partner in healing, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Challenge with that is sometimes folks get into healing, and there's parts of healing that get ugly. Mm. If they get ugly together. It's, it's, it's tension, yeah, right? It's right. Thing, you know, right. Like pressure can bust pipes. Right. Like pressure can make diamonds. It right, depends, right. you know, mm-hmm. what kind of people, what the character will show. Okay, so it depends on the character of who you're doing it with. But, but in all honesty, when you get naked, think about the, the just just metaphorically, even right. This is how I see things in, in reflecting from physical to spiritual. And you talk about what this does for your soul. Your soul is is literally. Um, using this as, as a vessel, as a tool, mm-hmm. right? And so when you're able to be directly connected with the tool that is directly using this source, you know, there's nothing getting in between you. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing, there's no facade, there's no cover-up, there's no extra. It's, it's a purity, right? It's a sense of freedom. It's, it's no bondage. It's no um, facade of any sort. Right. And so the, the closer you can get to your raw, most natural self in the moment that you are healing your raw, most natural self, the better. It, it just becomes this power 
that that you get to direct, you get to say, <laughs> right? And and once you can see your beauty, because the thing it is 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 seeing your beauty internally and externally. A lot of people think that beauty has this look when honestly we can look at the same person and have the totally different totally, opinions. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like you think that's okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's what you like. Right, right. You know, so we've got to be able to recognize and understand that beauty when they say it's in the eye to behold another corny saying, but it is so true. And so when you love someone though, sometimes they become a little bit more beautiful. The more and more you love them, it's like not so bad looking after all. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're kind of cute, kinda cute, you know? <laughs> so the same thing happens with yourself. Mm. It's like, yo, because I got some stubby toes. I don't like my toes. But but I tell you, when I started doing this healing work, I was like, kind of cute. A little corny. You know, like stuff is a little yeah, corny. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's still attractive, you know? Still, you know, I can work with that. So that that type of love. Because I, I truly believe love is the, the ultimate healing tool, right? Like you can have all these other things, you know, making your peace, having fun, creativity, mm-hmm. all of these things that will enhance the healing. Yeah. Love is is really truly what does the healing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That does the work. Everything else is, is additional. So when you're negative, you can't avoid loving yourself. You see yourself. And you can't avoid seeing yourself stripping away all of the things that make you feel protected from you. Why are you protecting yourself from yourself? You know, what do, what do you, well, you know, this is, this, is a, this is a sense of protection. You know, this is, this is a sense of covering up what's sacred. But when you're in a sacred, intimate space, be as sacred and intimate as you can be. And that allows the soul to just vibrate and, and illuminate at that level. You know, the frequency just, it, it's something about the vibration when you're yeah, in these yeah, type yeah. of spaces, it just <clears throat> heightens, you know. And in certain cultures, they they do do it together. This is not a you have to do it alone situation, right? Right. right. So it depends on the environment for you personally of like, where can I be the most naked internally and externally? I must, I've got to be like, I, sometimes I think I, I haven't healed enough, but I think I have because oh. everything you just said, I'm like the whole just sitting with yourself naked. I, like I tell people all the time, if wearing clothes wasn't illegal, <laughs> I'd walk around nude. This guy here, we're going to see you on a nude beach next year. For huh? sure. It's a wrap. I, I would definitely do it's it because it's just, I feel so free. I used to be so ashamed of my body because of what happened to me. Right. Just taking off my shirt or, you know, my thick thighs and my thick mm-hmm. legs. And my grandma's like, oh, you got thick thighs. They're just like mm-hmm. me. And that used to bother me. And it's just like. Now it's to the point where I, we go to the beach. I'm the first person with my. I can't wait to get there. You take, have to celebrate. Yes, that. you can't overlook like that. Like, okay, finally I'm here. I should have been here. Mm-hmm. Whatever thoughts coming up, you have to celebrate that. Mm-hmm. That is that is amazing. This these there are things you you got to take note of who you are, who you've become intentionally. Right, looking at all the things that you've gone through. Where you could have stayed, where you could have declined and gotten worse. Because a lot of people, if they were feeling that way about them body, their body, right? There's some oh, yeah. things like you you really just can't change about your body. Like right, it just right. is what it is. Yeah. That causes people to go through drug abuse and, and doing things mm-hmm. that are just like, you know, having tendencies to just lie about everything, yeah. having tendencies yeah. to steal stuff, having mm-hmm. tendencies to not believe it. You can tell them you love them all day long, but they're not going to receive it. 
They reject love. They mm-hmm. reject support. They reject leveling up because, in all honesty, it's like, yo, I don't, I don't fit and belong there. That's fake. It's, it's not real. Right. It may be real for somebody else, but that's not my yeah, life. Right. Can't mm-hmm. accept it. Right. So what you have done is you have bro- broken a mold. That that's what they call generational curses. Right. We have generational habits. We have a habit yes. and a tendency of passing down. I just learned about that in yo. therapy. Oh, probably last month. Really? Uh, yeah. The, the, it's called the. Um, she had called it like the familial. Something, but pretty much along the lines, the same exact thing that you're talking mm-hmm. about. Like, you know, it's just like your family unit itself, not right. like us as the human beings, but on. our family unit mm-hmm. itself has its own traumas that get passed down that mm-hmm. we pick up that we you know we have to somehow break apart from. Right. And that's where, you know, that, that was part of my healing process as well in therapy was, you know, breaking away from my family's generational curses that's been there, not just the thing, the trauma that I've gone through. I had to go through that stuff. I gone through my family, and it's just like, dang, you really just helped me. I was realize how much healing I've been doing. And, and can I say something? No, no shots fired at anybody, and they, no, you no, know, no. in their career, and this is what they do. But there is no. This is River Logic, all river right? Logic. River, I love river it. Logic. <laughs> there is no such thing as. Breaking away, there is no such thing as cutting off. There is no such thing as separation because yet yeah, you've been through. This is your experience. Mm-hmm. That experience don't just get cut like soul ties. You can you can cut the soul tie all you want. It's I believe in there. alchemy. Okay, break it down. When you alchemize something, you ever read The Alchemist? No. Ooh, Paulo Coelho. Now uh, Will Smith put me on with that one. Uh, not personally, you know, I just right. be taking on all kinds of mentors <laughs> and brothers and aunties. As and, we all do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but in a sense, what, what happens is um, the alchemist can touch anything and turn it to gold, touch anything and, and transition, transform it, right? Um, someone who is an alchemist, they used to call women who did jewelry work alchemists, and that was, was like a magical, it was illegal for a woman to, to do, you know, you got all these ladies, especially in Atlanta, mm-hmm. all these ladies making all these jewelries, you know, cra- handcrafted with the metals and the coppers and the real stones, and that was considered um, a sorcery, okay? Why? Because you're taking something from its original state, and you're transforming it into something else, and not just anything else, something more valuable. Something that that really stimulates people's minds. Yes. When you can do stimulation in a human, right? It's one thing to stimulate an animal or a cat or something, you know, get, get something yeah, yeah, excited. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. When you stimulate a person, we start to look at that as a magic, as his power, right? Which is why seduction is like one of the top, like, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. up there. It, it, it's, it's, it's up there it's, when you talk about right, magic, okay? Right. When you talk about something magical. So, when you're able to look at your experiences and transform them, because mm-hmm. that's what you're doing. It's not that they don't exist anymore. It's that you said, yeah, these thighs is nice. I ain't about to just give them to anybody. I'll tell you that right now. I ain't nobody about to just take them, okay? Mm-hmm. All right, you tried it. Right, All right, right you right. tried it. You had your round. I'm in a different place. You know what I mean? And so what you've done is you transformed. You've, you've owned yourself. This don't belong to you, bro. This don't belong to nobody. I'm going to give it to who I choose to share with. Right? And so when, the, when that shift happens, you now carry yourself in a way where it's beautiful. You carry yourself in a way where it's attractive. Right? Mm-hmm. There, there's no more sluggish holding yourself down about it. Like, it's like, yo, that's, that's 
that's fly. Whatever's going on over there is nice because you've done the work to transform your perception of yourself. And so yeah. now you project a different energy and it's because you've done the alchemy. No, you didn't cut it all away. That's why some stuff is still bothersome. Oh, yeah. Because it's there. Right, right. Right? I had a, I had a counselor tell me that there was no such thing as healing because what I went through is what I went through. Um, and we, Yeah, we hadn't got to that, so that's the river, river part of life. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's where river came from. Um, but see, I, I went to counseling because of because of that transition. So mm. we'll get to that when we get to that. <laughs> but but uh, they told me that um, that healing wasn't possible because... You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have, I'm gonna learn how to cope really good. I'm gonna learn how to get by and live day to day. Mm. I'm gonna learn how to manage it and deal with it better. But I will never be able to um, erase what happened. There's some truth to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Drove me nuts because if I said, "Yo, if I'm just gonna have to learn how to live with it," uh, that's driving me nuts again. I don't want to live, yeah. man. If that's the case, okay. And so I'm like, God, you got me here for a reason. You best to show me why. <laughs> what am I doing here? Okay. Yeah. Explain, please. Uh, yeah. So I went on a mad mission, but but getting that kind of terminology, like you you really got to recognize. And I think it, I think just the understanding of it helps with the healing. When you understand like, now nah, this doesn't get um, completely ripped away, but I do get to get to take some, some pieces do get recycled. Some pieces do like, they don't, they don't have to stay. Right. But the the fact of the experience is there solid like that's it happened. Mm. Right. You alchemizing um, and, and disconnecting even from um, needing to feel that. Right. Needing to re-experience that, which is wild, because for me, what I've what I've done in my healing process is I'll go back to certain experiences and like even in the feeling of it, I'm like, yo, that was what but I'm not there anymore. It's like I've been able to separate not so much the situation, but who I was in it, like the past from the present, right? Even though it's all connected, right? Yeah. It's all this oneness. I've been able to say, um, I can recognize who I am in this very moment where I used to have, and I think that's what the PTSD is, right? Where I used to have an issue being able to tell a difference between a past experience and my present moment. Mm. My, you know, the, the mind is so powerful. <laughs> you can think of something and just go through right. reactions like it's going on right now. So I've been able to, heal in a way where what has happened, I can look at the whole thing, visualize it, which I've done, right, you know, writing books and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> right, know? right. Uh, I've had to really sit down and just, you know, here's the deal. This is for the public. This is me just going through therapy. Okay, separating the pieces, you know. And I'm at a point where I can honor where I'm at. I can even feel where I'm going, feel a peace I've never felt before, see myself in places I don't even know the name of, you know, and... <laughs> In real life, like with my past, I can look at it and I've I've wired myself in a way where it doesn't physically. But now, if I wanted to, I could go there. So I was like, yo, I'm going to do a movie or something, man. This is, this is good education. <laughs> this, is good, this is good education right here, yo. But, sure. but yeah, learning to alchemize is a big deal. So I don't want to put too much time on that. But like, nah, that yeah, was, that just, just to... Because sometimes we'll blame ourselves for like, why can't I break away from this piece? Well, because that piece is something you've got to transform. Not cut away. Mm. Hey, River. Wow. I didn't know you was that deep. It's work, man. This for is work. Sure. I've been for at this for like 10 years. It's crazy. I'm so, I'm so young. I'm so a little baby. And because all my, all my friends are like in their 60s and they just like, yes. All your you know? friends in your 60s. Yeah, man. All my friends who do this work, they, I, I got a couple of friends who's like, you know, late 30s, early 40s and stuff. But mm -hmm. for the most part, they in their 60s. And 
And there's a couple of them that just like that I rock with because they 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 speak the language I like to talk, you know. Like so, it's like like that's the it's level that like, I've yeah, been. Yeah, but yeah. I I was such a studious person, you know. I, when I went through um, my my paralyzation of being clinically depressed, I just studied, which is really dope because like it was the most investment I ever did. Like pretty much two years of just. And what did you study? Like, what drew you to want to say, okay, I've been diagnosed as this, with this clinical depression. Yeah. A lot of people, not a lot, some people, should I say, would take in and say, okay, this is my cop out now. Right, right, right. You get a pass. They get a pass now. There are some people who say, okay, they're kind of stuck in between. Like, I want to use this as my cop out, but I also want to break through it. Mm. And then there's people like yourself who say, you know what, I need to understand what they're saying I am because I am is a powerful statement. And if they're saying I am clinically depressed, then what is the clinical piece of it? What is the depressive piece of it? How do they combine one another? Mm. That's a very bold thing of an individual to do. It didn't start there. It it evolved into that. Mm. After I found out that, um, my parents had abused my ex-girlfriend. When I went to address them about it, it happened to me that same night with my mother, her husband, and my godmom, their girlfriend. Time out. Take audible. All Take a break. Yeah. So it happens to your ex-girlfriend. You confront your parents about it. Word up. And then it happens to you plus one. How... How are you feeling in that moment? And then how are you feeling upon reflecting on it? Because from the sound of your voice, you've done a lot of healing work. Probably you knew. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, another follow-up question I want to ask, you know, I just want to ask it so we just kind of put it out there into the atmosphere. It's just, you know, what's the relationship today with these individuals? That's so wild. At the time... um, I was still mentoring, um, even in the midst of it. It went on for a couple months, and I would still get up and go to the schools and do my work as a mentor, studying community resources and trying to understand what the heck is going on at home without being too direct about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So you being indirect? Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, looking for help um, for a couple months. But I had got to a place where even even during the things happening, um, like that that first night I had I had zoned out and I was praying to God to teleport me. I was like, yo, if Chris Angel can do it, you know. <laughs> then so can I. Yes, God, I believe I got faith of a mustard seed and then some. That faith was bigger than a mustard seed that day, okay? <laughs> I'm like, God gonna get me out of here. Right, so I close right. my eyes and they're talking and it sounded like um I was underwater, you know, that echoey kind of sound and they're, they're talking to me, but I'm like, I'm having a conversation with God. I'm out of here. And then they start calling my name, all the nicknames. Cece, Cherry, Little Mama, Celicia. Boy, I snapped up. You know how your parents like kind of say your yeah, first yeah, name. Yeah, and yeah, kinda, like, I'm in trouble. What I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It snapped me out. And so that's where the trigger from Celicia came from. Um, so eventually, yeah, I had to do a name you change. Do I didn't know change. it was going to be River, but... But the thing is, while it was happening in that moment, 
I not only felt like I wanted to escape, I was concerned about my, I was so confused. I didn't know who my, I didn't recognize who my parents were, Mm -hmm. right? So I was concerned about their well-being, their state of mind. Right, right, right. My father in particular, because now, I, you know, this man raised me, you know what I mean? And I used to fight people, like legit fist fights over folks saying that that's not your real pops. Right, right. Like, I wish you would (laughs) say that's not my real pops, right? So he told me that night, he was like, well, I'm not your real dad anyway. Never in life in 18 years or 17 going to 18. But yeah, like never. So I was just like baffled. Like, what? (laughs) How did we get here? Right. But when you talk about narcissism, mind manipulation, the drugs that 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 help the the type of um, drug it is to get on a high of sexual abuse and, and knowing that, you know, these people who, who do this thing, um, I strongly believe him himself went through some things. He didn't trust the church. He didn't want us going on, a, uh, me and my siblings, when I say us, going on like a bus to the church because he was like, no, I know what them pastors do to kids. Like, y'all not going with everybody else, right? Yeah. So it wasn't a until- statement like that, just, it, it, it pours out pain. Right, yeah. right. So it's like, if you believe that, what happened to you for you to believe that? For sure. This is right, because that's your stone cold belief. Yeah, yeah. Not everybody believes that. In right. fact, I was I would say some of the stuff I went through and just little stuff like I stopped smoking cigarettes at nine. I started at seven, stopped at nine. Folks were like, whoa. I'm like, that ain't even a half, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> God, okay, you know. story. Yeah, man. So like it would blow my mind. But the thing is, if it's not in your reality, you're not gonna have a belief system for that, right? Which mm-hmm. is why I got so big on like speaking about the mental health aspect. Cause some people think that folks just be making up stuff like all you gotta do is just be happy. Okay. Right. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's a choice. You know, you just want attention. Attention. I could have got attention for rapping, for boxing, all kind of stuff. You know, I didn't need extra attention. I had enough. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so there was there was a lot um of confusion for me because I wanted to help them. I wanted to help myself, right? I lost my sense of purpose because as my mother's eldest child and she would come to me, he would come to me and they're looking for me, looking to me for answers. So it was like, they prepared me to go looking for answers because they're asking me. Mm. They, they, they thought very highly of me. Honestly, my mom's husband used to tell me, Oh, you're going to be the one, you know, you're going to be amazing. You know, just, just go ahead, Harry, and put your pops on. You know, he, he just say stuff like that to me all the time. So they blow my head up, you know. But it, it was so weird because when you deal with narcissistic parenting, now that I know, like, there's always there's there's always a, a child who is um, kind of put on this pedestal of expectation, mm. and you would think they have it the easiest. But but let me make a mistake, a challenge. It just just I just disfaced the family name or something. You know, I lost a boxing match. You're not my child. Who is this? What is that? You know, he he came to my my practice. It wasn't even a real fight. This is me practicing with the boys on the team who've been boxing for years. Okay, this is like my first week of sparring. He comes in, sees me sparring, leaves out mid match. I get home. He's like, "Yeah, I'm about to watch that. That was whack. Like, <laughs> I'm not supporting you fighting like that." When I tell you the pressure was on to just be. Right. Yeah, so yeah. in the moment of them, you know, this abuse and the whole like, oh, I'm not your real dad anymore, all that kind of stuff, like, and then even telling me, like, yo, I never led you in the I never steered you in the wrong direction. I wouldn't lead you in the wrong direction now, would I? 
mind manipulation. Like the Bible says, you should you should obey your parents. Ooh, when I tell you the scripture was used, Ooh. the scripture, <laughs> right? Now I'm not knowing that because if I would have knew the word, yeah, it then goes to say goes how to say the parents, parents should mm, come on, ha- come on, it's, should guide their children, mm-hmm. train them up right, not wrong. And then it talks about the full armor of God Mm -hmm. directly after that. Boy, I got to that word. I said, (laughs) now had I known this then, it would have been like Jesus and the snake or whoever he was talking to in the forest and they was just going back and forth. And he's like, actually, that's not all that God said. Mm -hmm. You know, I could have had, I could have had that response, but I wasn't prepared. I I was ill-equipped when it came to my power of the tongue, you know? Mm So I'm just taking whatever. And then they're my parents. So now I got them on the pedestal. They're my parents. I'm just like, yo, whatever you say. What's really wild too is that I was crossfaded that night. We had smoke because they like, oh, you owe your apology. Uh, you want to hit this? Yeah, you owe me apology. That means it really happened. Yeah, I'm gonna hit that. Mm-hmm. And then we get to we get to the studio, and now we're drinking, and and then the conversation's getting more intense and more intense. And now you physically touching me. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little little lost, but the, the thing was, I remembered like so many details down to the, the type of bottle of liquor they had was my choice of liquor. If they were if they were gonna get that big of a bottle, it would have been like some gold slaughter. Not not no Bacardi Silver. That's what I like, and I like to put a little juice in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, you're not gonna get my choice of drink. Yeah. You would have went with some dark liquor. You would have got some Hennessy. Right, you know right, what I mean? Yeah. Some top shelf for real, for real. You wouldn't have got this huge gallon. I don't know what it was. It seemed like a gallon. It was humongous. Uh, <laughs> about, so I'm like, yo, this is a setup, but I didn't realize that in the moment. But in hindsight, when I started, when I got alone. When I got into study mode, that's what we're getting to. I, I was able to reflect and I was like, yo, like they planned this out. Like this whole thing was planned out. And so in the midst of, I'm feeling like confused, man. Confusion is like at the top of it because I honestly see them differently than what they're showing me, period. I don't know these people. I don't know how my supportive, caring, loving, like go to bat for me parents can now be in the same shoes as the abusers I finally had the guts to tell them about and tell me that it's best for me. Tell me that they're teaching me something. Tell me that they're protecting me from other people doing this to me. And then he would tell my mom was gone at the time, you know, and she, she came back and he's like, yeah, and your mom, your mom said it was okay. Like that was supposed to make me feel better about it. Like she, he got my mom's okay. So what did you say to her to get her to just be in alignment with this? Like this made sense. And now we're talking about, you know, well, back in the olden days, you know, kings and queens, how do you think people got multiplied? They had to be with their families. You think Adam and Eve wasn't sisters? I mean, just all kind of, I'm like, yo, I don't know. But what I do know is that this is not for me, right? Because even, even if that was the case, who said I wanted to be sexually engaged with you? You know? Right, right. <laughs> like, if <laughs> I had said, my, my choice. this what? was my interest? Okay? Right. I'm not feeling you like that, sir. So, you know, even, even then, so... When when I began to, um, when I left, when I left the place, and I only left because I would have stayed, but my little sister was like four years old at the time. She knocks on the door, and I'm in the room with pops, you know, with my dad, and I realized, like, even though I'm not saying that it's okay, I'm showing it's okay. I'm mm. leading by example that this is all right. So. That, that that messed me up that day to the point where like I'm getting ready to uh pack up the little ones because I had two two younger siblings. Um my my godmom have have a few younger kids, my mom have a few young kids, you know. So we loaded in the house, about seven of us, and 
The two little ones was home. Everybody else is at school at the time. This is how I know a couple months went by because it started in the summer. School's in session now, okay? But <clears throat> I'm I'm getting them dressed. They're like three and four years old to go to, to the school where I mentor at. We're going to walk up there and he sleep on the couch, the guns on the table. I'm like, yo, I could take him out and we can go on about our business for the day and it'd be self-defense, whatever, you know, that's like, this is the type I'm like, yo, I could just do, but it just didn't set right with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, me being a murderer, I don't know how that going to fit. Right. But then like, I love this guy, like real life. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't want no harm to come to him. Was it a thought? Yes, because I'm like, yo, I want to put into all of this. You seem miserable in your misery. I don't like what's going on here. I don't want it to happen to nobody else. So uh, this is, you know, this is one way people would handle this. But the gun being there helped help with the idea, you know. <laughs> but I'm like, nah, that's not what that gun sitting on the table for, man. Let's don't do it. Um, but it was a thought, and was crazy as when stuff had happened to my ex. Other people were telling me. Oh, we about to go take him out. And I'm going to bat for this guy. You better not go shoot my pops. Yeah. Man, that, you know, I, I grew up with him. And did it. I, I don't care. That's my dad. Like, I am going to bat for these folks. Part of me in disbelief that they could, like, there's no way it could have just went down how you think it went down. Like, something something had to happen. Like, there, there had to be something else. And I, nothing gives it an okay and it's all good. But I don't think they would have just, like, just aggressively, you know what I mean, violently. Like I, I don't know, man. Like I, I had to, I had to give some type of, some type of room for the love that I have for them, for seeing them, being how I seen them. Period. But this is the thing: we get so caught up in how we see people, it goes over our head, like who they are. Right? We idolize and we romanticize about <laughs> what we want people to be. And we think we love them when we really just love the idea we have of them. Mm. And I had to come to terms with that. I love my mother. I love her husband. I love my cop mom. I don't agree with you to the degree of who you are as a person outside of this title that I've given you. You're a whole nother person. Somebody else doesn't know you as mom. Somebody knows you as your name. Somebody knows you as who you showing yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I had to start understanding that people carry multiple uh, sides of themselves. Yeah. I ended up um, I ended up leaving the house because of that situation with my little sister. I, I finally left. I, I got help from them. And my cousin told me too. She was like, girl, you helped me get an apartment. Why don't you have your own place? I'm like, you're right. I've been house to house, couch surfing all this, and I didn't see myself as homeless. So I give that resource to somebody who's really out here and doesn't have any, any help right. at all. And passing up. On the fact that, like, yo, you're out here too, yo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I finally took advantage of the other community resources. It was this dope um, program um, called, was it? No, yes, it was the Young, Youth Young Adult Shelter. Um, yo, big ups to them too. I can't even remember the name right now. That's wild. Long story short, it was a... Um, Program in the community that helped help youth get into youth and young adults get into housing. Now the the wait list was like six months to a year. I just so happened to call the the hotline that is it's like a random people like you you know there is there's no caller ID nothing yeah. like that. I am talking to somebody who has mentored me in the community. Don't even know it, and she says she goes Cece, and I'm like. Oh, you know me. I don't know you, and I didn't told you too much. 
I'm like, who is this? She's like, yo, just come to the office tomorrow, you know, and um, we're going to figure this out. And within, uh, it took it took a little over a month. So I, I know this stuff went on because the whole time I was living there, it was going on. They tried to tell me when I left, like, it didn't go on for that long. It was it was only a week or two weeks. I'm like, yo, I was not that drugged. Right. Like, we went from summertime to the kids in school to I'm on a waiting list to get up out of here. Yeah, we, we've been at this for a minute. For a minute. You know? <clears throat> and so I get to, I move into this place and that's when, um, I, was, I wasn't diagnosed at the time, mm. but I, I had nightmares. When I woke up, I would think I was at the house with them. I couldn't open my eyes. I couldn't speak. And I would try to get help. And physically, like my brain, something was disconnected. I still had, I, I got to figure out the, uh, what it's called. I, I learned it one, one time and it didn't lost, but scientifically what happened was the cells in your brain that communicate with your body to move. Like when I say, I want to grab this, then, you know, something in my brain tells my hand to move and yeah. it happens not even simultaneously, but so fast that you think it's happening at the same time. Your brain has to communicate with your body right. for you to be able to use yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I could not communicate with my body. I would wake up and be stuck. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's, no, it's not that. It's not sleep paralysis. Paral- paral- it, it's it's, it's it's something it's, similar it's, it's to, it's that, to that though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where it's like you know you see what's going on, but it's, it's like, like being in a coma. In a way, yeah, it's you're like awake. awake. It's like you know your outer body experience where you're looking down at yourself, mm-hmm. but you can't tell yourself to like get up. Yeah, you can't tell yourself to move the right arm or the left arm or the, the pinky toe, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. You're just pretty much just paralyzed in a sense. Right. I'm, yes. Right. And so when I would catch an ability to move, a lot of times I'd be in my head, of mm-hmm. course, because that's all I could do. <laughs> and I would talk to God. I'd be mad. I'd, I'd throw fits. I'd, I'd be crying. I'd, you know, I'd go through all the many emotions of grief because I'm now grieving my family. That like after, after I, it's been now, you asked me to, it's been, it's been a decade. It's going on 11 years since the last time I spoke to my mother. Wow. Including um, my siblings and her husband and my godmom and, um, I'm finally getting reconnected with a few of the siblings that have aged out of the house, <laughs> you know, and it's it's beautiful and, and and disheartening at the same time because they're not where I want them to be as far as, you know, the healthy relationships and the healthy lifestyle and all yeah, this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And I'm not in position to be like, yo, here's a whole nother, <laughs> a new lifestyle, right. <laughs> you know, I'm on my way, but we ain't there yet. So it's like, yeah. um, even when I do give to them, I've got to be so disciplined, not even just for them, but for me. But but now I'm realizing it's in this position because if you give and give and give and give and give and give and they leech, 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 leech mm-hmm. you have now trained them yeah. not to like when you're gone, then what? Right? And so I I'm really like I'm doing my best not to disable them, you mm-hmm. know. Um and it's it's a tough lesson with the love. But oh, sure. I found myself um before I even got counseling, realizing like something like I'm something's wrong with me. Like I, I can't function you know there was days i wasn't eating and wasn't using the restroom like legit just in the bed bruises on my body from sitting you know like i'm just here and um eventually like i would get up and i'd have the tv i have my phone <laughs> i'm not calling people but i'm on youtube and i'm i'm watching oprah's master class blew my mind because all these people who are just like because she had a thing called sunday school yeah yep mm-hmm. oh. Super yeah. Soul Sunday. Super Soul Sunday. Yep. Mm-hmm. Woo! Super Soul Sunday. It's still popping. And um, that would just blow my mind. So I didn't really care for cable, but I wanted that channel. Yeah. And it just, it was so inspiring. One thing that, that I had come to terms with was that 
No one has my story. So how I'm supposed to know I can get through this? Like I'm hearing all these. I mean, I think Mary J. Blige has something pretty, pretty close. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. She, she <laughs> was up there with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, dang, Mary. You know? <laughs> okay, <laughs> we see why you don't cry no more. Right. Okay. You know? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, but like word up though. Like I, I've seen a lot of stories. You know, um, a lot of people, the polo guy, you know, all kind of folks. Um, a, a lot of athletes. Like, and I never heard my experience. So I was like, how am I going to get through this? And like, nobody goes through this. This is not normal. <laughs> like, this is not, because some of the stories were just so close, but just not it, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, God, you get me through this, I'll share. Yeah. Now, when I did get through it and I was no longer paralyzed, I'm like, yo, I had to been crazy to make that promise. But people will start asking me questions and then I start talking and before you know it, it's like, they're just confirming how useful this is. Mm-hmm. To the point where I'm, a, I'm just going to say it. A counselor told me time heals all. And <coughs> I was so desperate for a solution. I went home, got the clock, put it right next to my bed, watched that clock like eventually I'm going to see enough hours, seconds, and minutes. And it's going to be enough time that will heal it all. Mm. I mean, I was like, because after a certain point, I was like, oh, I've tried everything else. Yeah. There must be something I'm just like intellectually not connecting with here. Maybe it's deeper than what I understand. You know, maybe it's really just that simple, mm-hmm. but I'm not patient enough. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, I'm going to watch this clock and enough time going to go by. But one day, like the ticking, like I lived on base, on a military base, and um, it just, it felt like it was revving up like this. It was so like anxiety wrenching, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like I yeah. just felt, I just felt like yo, it just it was, it was. Um, I was anticipating some big boom or something, you mm. know. Just that kind of like when you're on the edge of your seat of a scary movie kind of yeah, thing. Like, so yeah. one day I was like, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, there's no other noises in the house. The roommate's gone, and it's just this tick of the second hand. And I started to just get rage and enraged and enraged, and I could feel it just boiling up, and I'm about to scream. And when I scream. I'm in shock. Like, yo, I just screamed. What was that about? Oh, I don't believe that time heals all anymore. I don't believe it. It's not healing nothing. <laughs> I get angry. I start throwing stuff around my room. I'm snatching stuff off the walls. I'm, yo, show me why I'm here, damn it. Yelling at God. Soon as I said, damn it, though, I stopped. I'll tell you, bro, I was like, <laughs> I just cussed that God. I'm looking for lightning to strike me down. <laughs> Life might be over. Yeah, it's a wrap. But then I realized I was like, yo, the worst that could happen is for life to be over. Mm. I'm like, that actually don't sound that so bad. Right, right, right. You know what? Matter of so, fact. Yeah, forget the Yeah, just show me. Show me. Yeah, yeah. Damn it. You know, so, <laughs> so now I'm just repeating. Now I'm just being completely rebellious. Yeah. Going nuts, man. And I, I flip my mattress up and I'm punching it and I'm giving it all these combos and, you know, just going ham. And before I know it, I get exhausted to the point where I slam down. I'm like, yo, this the deal. You didn't took my uncle out in his sleep. I want to go just like that. Peaceful. So now I done wrote this book called From Painful to Peaceful, damn it. Because as soon as I woke up that next day, first of all, the lights were so bright like these, like I thought I was in heaven because it was just bright. Like the sun was beaming through the, the beam. I've made it. Yes. I done gave it the pearly whites, you know. <laughs> pearly white pigs, you know. I was so happy. And then I heard planes and cars going by and engines and I just got mad like 
They ain't got no planes in heaven. I'm still here. Ain't no, ain't no honking in heaven. Right, right. This ain't what I read about heaven. This ain't it. I'm mad instantly. I was like, okay, all right. So I'm gonna come see you myself then. I get up, I grab my keys, I'm about to go hop in the car. I'm trying to pick. I was like, wait, hold on, before I leave, like what do dead people do before they, you know, before they get dead? Like what <laughs> what they do? Uh I should write a, I should write a write a letter to somebody. Maybe I should uh, you know, all my stuff is here. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give my, my box of medals to this brother, I'm gonna give my car to this sister, I'm gonna give my you know, what I mean I'm giving away stuff. Mm. I don't have a lot of stuff, just send them middle right, things, right, you right. know. Okay, I'm gonna give all my books to this this sister, and I'm gonna give all my clothes to this, you know. I'm like, yo, legit writing out who's getting what, and I look around my room like, okay, they come here to get this letter. This room cannot be looking like this. So I start cleaning up a little bit. Spiritually, emotionally, like there's something, especially even as women being nurturing, like when you're about to birth something, when something new's coming in, you start to shift things around. You clean up. Mm. You make room for right? I'm not thinking none of this. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just like, let me just get it together. But <clears throat> that's, that's a process that we go through. So I'm doing a lot of spiritual practices that I'm not realizing. I'm writing things out. I'm having conversations with God. Now, I may have cussed that guy, but I'm communicating and I'm asking for an answer. And I, I'm really, really wanting an answer. Yeah. I'm expecting an answer. Not even just wanting it. I'm like in true belief that yo, you about to talk to me. <laughs> you about to take. You about to come talk. You about to come get me something. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm talking <clears throat> to you with that type of mustard seed faith. So the next day I go to this um, school by accident. I'm on my way to drive myself up a bridge, but the school is on the way, and I'm like, I can't just not say bye to this teacher who you been holding it down since the beginning of this stuff. That's why I was going to go volunteer and mentor and stuff in her classroom. Mm. And so I'm like, I'm going to at least go spend one more day with her. That'd be my little good deed before I go buy my ticket into heaven kind of thing. I get in there. There's nothing for me to do because they're doing end of course exams. Oh, so you're just watching people. Boring, yo. <laughs> I was so over it. I was like, yo, this is the worst last day ever. Like, <laughs> Why does this feel like a movie right now? Yo, it's going to be, man. You know, I'm about to get with Ernestine. We're about to, we're about to get some green lit popping oh, over sure. here. Yeah, real life. Real Needs life. to be. Yeah, it's happening. <laughs> so uh, I'm finally ready, you know. Um, but I'm, I'm sitting in there like just bored. I'm like, yo, this is whack. And then the class, the bell rings, the class switches. I get up. I'm like, let me just... Sh- Organized papers by the printer, you know, let me do something because she ain't got nothing for me to do. Student comes in and said, Hey, Miss Hyman, what do you have planned for us today? This chick looks around the room, you know, she's looking at her desk all scattered with all these papers she graded. And she looks up at me and she goes, Cece's going to teach the class. And I'm thinking I am in no shape or form to be talking to no children's about nothing, okay? Right. Like, <clears throat> So I'm looking at her with this look like, what you mean? Right. <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. She said, oh, y'all do great. You know, you, you've been through high school. You know how to use community resources and stuff. You know, you've been a student athlete. You know, just tell them about your experiences, things that you wish you would have learned before graduating high school. I said, oh, we could talk about before graduating high school. Now, we could talk about that. Easy. Yeah, that, that's nothing. Yeah, student athlete. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's talk about it. I get up there and start talking to these students. And I was just introducing myself. I didn't think much of it, right? Mm-hmm. By the end of the class, folks who had been, she had college-bound students, so they had been together for a few years. She had to close the door during the conversation because it got so deep. By the end of the class, folks was talking that hadn't talked before. People was crying. People were like, um, asking for advice with their relationships with their parents, with relationship with their friends. And I'm like, yo, who solidified me to answer this stuff? But I'm giving them my, you know, this is this is my opinion, my experience. This is mm-hmm. what I think, being as non, you know, biased as, as possible. Like, 
Like I don't want to put too much of my opinion on it, yeah, but here's right, the things right. you should think about, right? Like I'm already like I'm I'm but I've, I've been a big sister. I've been you know I've been a mentor already, so it's not that these skills are so far removed. I just wasn't valuing myself when I walked in there. I wasn't looking at the things that I. A lot of times when we see where we want to be, we ignore where we've been. We ignore. Right. That's why I said you have to celebrate who you are and who you become right now because that's the vehicle that's getting you there. Mm-hmm. You know, getting upset about what could have been and all of that, like that doesn't get you anywhere. But when you can honor who you've become, because there's somebody like them students who's in a position you were two, three, four, five, ten years ago, mm-hmm. wishing that where you're at is even a reality for them. Yeah. And they've never seen it. So you're now this living, walking testimony of like, yo, it's possible. If they can do it, I can do it kind of thing. And I was in that position and didn't realize it, right? Yep. And so straight up... <laughs> They get done with the class. She's writing hall passes for him. And I'm like, yo, she never like write hall pass. Like she's letting them stay past the bell. Doors closed. All the other students from the next class is locked out. Okay. And they get up. They're scattered around her desk getting these passes. But then they started one by one lining up to give me a hug on the way out the door. Mm. Not only did that shift like how I felt, right? As if the conversation wasn't enough. Mm. One of the students towards the end of the line was like, Miss, are you going to be here tomorrow? Because I didn't get to finish saying everything I had to say. And I'm thinking, I'm not supposed to be nowhere tomorrow. Right. Like, this is supposed <laughs> to be my, this is my ticket. You know, I did extra right, work right, today. Right. Okay, yeah, this yeah, is beyond yeah. what I thought I came to do. So I'm, I got to meet him with God. Girl, right. So you're going to have to just get yourself. that from somebody else. Yeah, yeah I don't know who, who you're going to talk to, but ain't going to be me. You know, but then I'm like, the line is being held up and I'm like I could spare one more day I look over at the teacher she's like I'm like I could be here tomorrow we do the class the next day with just them just to follow up with them other students in other class periods are jealous they get a guest speaker and we don't She's like, yo, if you could be here for the end of the year, because we were just going to watch movies and they was going to do, you know, work from other classes. Um, I'll, I'll let you, you know, do your thing and, and do like your shadow work. And, and I'll, I'll help you if you don't have a curriculum or anything like that. Like we can put, put something together and whatever supplies you need, I got you. Like if you're available, the class is yours to the end of the year. Before all this happened, right? Now, 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 now let's just talk about the fact that that led to a summer gig. And then the city paying me what she paid me in a few weeks yeah. for an hour. <clears throat> one hour. What I, what I made in a few weeks, the city gave me for a one-hour workshop. Dang. Okay? Oh, my life had changed. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this money, and I'm about to go get certified. So that's when I became like the, the cognitive behavioral therapist. Yeah. I didn't like how the, all the therapy jobs were going because a lot of them were like, yo, uh, we're going to need this pill to balance out the chemical in, in, and then when people don't take the drugs, you got to put down that they refuse and they're not, you know, being, um, what they call like, like subordinate. It's just, yeah. I didn't, was not filling the jobs. And so I just went to go help people in the GED class. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this stuff. Like, I'm good. So, but yes, I went back to my students and then the, the youth and young adult shelter opened up. That became a career. And that's where I had the conversation with the kids on like, yo, I wanted to be a rapper, you know, and I went to Atlanta. So that, that was a transition. But All of this had came from me saying, just show me why I'm here, damn it, and meaning it. Mm. Meaning it. Asking. You got it. The bear, it was it was quicker than Amazon Prime, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you next day delivery. Next day delivery. You got it. I'm on my way to the bridge and just intuition said, nah, pull over. There's no way you're going out without saying goodbye to that woman. Okay. 
and I try to reason with myself of why it didn't, didn't make sense, it'd be a good ticket. Buy yourself into heaven. I had no idea about buying myself another now 11 years of my life. Yeah. It's wild, yo. And all this is kind of happening back to back. I didn't spend a lot of time to heal. So in my helping others from places I've been, I still needed help for, for where I was at and where I was trying to go. Right, right. <laughs> I still wasn't the most... <clears throat> While I'm teaching this class, I had two ponytails in my head. I went home and cut off and it was the most uneven thing. The barber was closed in the morning, so I couldn't get to him before the class started. Yeah. So I thought I was going to get it you know, fixed in the morning. I was like, it's okay. I'll get it fixed on, on the way to work. The barber was closed. I was like, oh, I'm about to go in here. Look, you know, high school students, they're going to clown you. And they For was sure. clowning. But once the class started, it was so engaging. It was like, it was no more, no was more fun. picking fun yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting to hear some drama all day long. Right. But they had loved the message so much. They had engaged so much that it was like, that meant nothing. But I was going nuts, yo. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to look like my mom while I'm doing it. You know, I was still healing. Mm-hmm. And yet still had something valuable to offer. Yeah. There's this... Uh... I don't know if it's a Japanese tradition or a Korean tradition where they mm. take broken pots. Mm. And what they do is they put the pot back together with gold. And it becomes more valuable than it once was. Speak a word, yo. And for people like you and I who have been through situations like such, it's like I believe God... Situations break us, but I believe God pulls us back together with gold mold to make us more valuable. And you just showed everybody who's watching this episode from today until infinity that we're more valuable after the breaking. And we got to look ourselves in the mirror, have these naked conversations with ourselves to see the value. And it's you showed not just the audience of the viewers who are going to watch this. You showed me. You showed the inner me and the outer me. Mm-hmm. All in just an hour and 22 minutes. And there's so much more. So, so much more of River. We didn't even get to how you changed the name of River. It's in the book from Painful to Peaceful, damn it. So now I gotta go read the book. <laughs> Give us a little bit. Okay, listen. Of how River came I told about. You I was studious, right? Yes. <clears throat> I wanted an element because I, I got to be in a super nature freak once I started healing. I'm mm-hmm. like, I need all the, the yeah, nature yeah, yeah, I can get. Yeah. I'm gonna name myself an element. Water scares me. Mm. Real life, because there's this stuff you don't know what's going on in there, man. You can't see how deep it is. It's right, everywhere. Right. It's it in us. Surface, it's in the world. Right. We need it. We have to have it. It's just, it's everywhere. Like, what is water? Is that God? You know? So I look at water like this unfigureoutable thing, like more unfigureoutable than electricity. <laughs> and so, um, Naming myself water sounded corny. Like, I don't want to be called water. That's weird, right? So I was like, maybe rain. That's a girl name, but I'm like, that's soft. Like, mm. I'm a rapper, a boxer. Like, you cannot you call, call me Rain. Rain. Like, <laughs> it's too cute. Right, it's too right, cute. Right. Um, not that I'm not cute, you know. But, you know, I, I was like, it was too soft for me. I need something a little oomph to it, you know. I'm reading this book one day. So I kind of gave up on the water thing. I was like, this, we're going to have to find something else. But I was still being triggered by Celicia. 
And so I would just tell people, just, just call me my, Cece. Like, that's my, everybody call me Cece, just call me Cece. My middle name is Ceciana. I kept that name, you know, I'm cool with that. That didn't break, actually, they called me Cece. It didn't break me out of my, my moment with God, you know, while I was trying to teleport and stuff. So, so we can be, we can, we can be called Cece. That's not disruptive. So Lisa got disruptive mm. after a while. But uh, I'm, I'm sitting here like, reading just studying just randomly studying because i was trying to always do something different you know i was listening to et and he was always like pumping my head up right, how right. dope i could be if i would just stay in my lane and master me you know so i was like who me is i love geography i love you know what i mean i, I don't know man don't don't ask me where you at we, west south east, you know i don't know What's all the that. Coordinates? yeah don't ask me none of that <laughs> but i'm intrigued by it so much yeah you know it interests me um and so i'm i'm studying this geography book and um, I, it spoke about how the definition of a river, that's what it was. It was definitions of different words, crazy wordsmith stuff, you know. <laughs> and it said a river leads to the source, it's from the source and leads to the source. Mm. And I'm like, if that's not better than rain, river, and then the definition, it felt so affirmative like that, like to be named something that you get to, Cause I wasn't, I wasn't that inspired to live at the time. I was still thinking like I might go still, cause um, I think we've done enough, you know. <laughs> think it's time to go hit that bridge, cause this is not working out for me. Okay, that you know that after I hit that that one experience, I hadn't booked another gig, so I was like, maybe this really ain't my thing, and I just kind of got lucky. I don't mm. know, you know. Um, <laughs> so I'm reading it, thinking like this is something to live for. To know that, to re be reminded that you're from the source. Mm. And then to live with the intention to lead others to the source. Because I wanted to be a pastor, a preacher, something like that. But I didn't, and I say that in that way because I've had so many negative experiences with people in the pulpit uh -huh. that I never wanted to have that as my stage. Yeah. And, I, and I didn't like the fact that there was such a disconnect between People who who needed God and right. people who had God. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we, and then we game banging on churches and religions. We're not coming together. It's too much. Oh, you rep <laughs> Catholic? Oh, I'm Christian, cuz you know right. that's how I felt. <laughs> that's how it felt for real. So, and yeah. I just I didn't like the game banging mentality behind the religions. But what I did love was being able to have my own personal relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Show me why I'm here, damn yeah. it! And you give me the most hood response, like that. I got you. Get over here. Right, right. I'm going to show you. <laughs> you know? Like, that was so real for me. So to be from the source and to lead to the source, it was something. Dang, that's hard. So anytime I feel like I'm not worthy or I, I'm not where I'm supposed to be in life, I remind, like, do you know who you are? River. Really? Took your daddy's biological last name, Jones. And then people tell it sounds like a poet's name. Baby, if you only knew. Is we it? got bars. We got bars, you know? <laughs> She's a poet. So I just felt like I didn't I didn't like it at first because I thought it sounded weird. You know, I've never heard anybody named River. Um It's so dope. And I met I met a younger, like young, younger white boy named River, and I'm like, now that's more suited. It kind of makes sense, you know. <laughs> you he was probably really born by the river, my guy. You know, it makes sense. <laughs> but I, I couldn't, you know, I'm looking at me with the fro and yeah, yeah, yeah. River. Like, like, no river. Yeah, yeah. Like but I'm like, but I like it though. I, I love it. I didn't think nobody was gonna call me that because everybody was calling me Cece anyways. Even when even my name was Celicia, nobody I'm glad called I met me you Celicia. At River, though. Thank you. It's a dope name. Yeah. I love the name River. Thank I like I said, I love unique names. Yeah. So one last question before we Word. wrap up. Um so 
Did you take on your dad's last name to detach from the pain of the other last name? Not even actually, because okay. it was kind of dope. <laughs> I had this thing called the D-Ham Jab. So the as what? a boxer, they okay. call it the Dillingham Jab. But okay, they, would, okay. they would cut out the ill and they would just say D-Ham. Okay, okay. So it was the D-Ham Jab. You know, I come out, you know, with a good jab. I could win a fight with a jab. Like, that's how ill it was, okay? So they called it the D-Ham Jab. So as it was it was like a celebrity name for me, you know what I mean? Like, in my city, you know? You know? So yeah. it was like, I was known for being a Dillingham as an athlete. And that meant a lot to me because, you know, I invested a lot of my time. There's no seasons in boxing. You just in there. there. Right. So it it felt like a piece of my identity that I didn't want to let go. And at the same time, I was like, if you're going to find me thinking about my parents, my mother and her husband, you're going to find me. I want you to find me knowing that I'm not you and I don't agree with you. Mm -hmm. So that was part of it. The other part of it was like when I got reconnected with my work. Yeah, I'll say reconnected. I never knew him growing up. So for me, there was never a connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when people would say, oh, that's not your real dad, I would fight them, right? So like, <laughs> excuse me, I have a dad. I don't need to meet. You look so much like your dad. Yo, get out of here with that. You don't know me or my dad, okay? Uh, <laughs> but I do. I favor this man. I favor my mother so much. Like I'm meeting him through prison. He's still in there right now. He's going to get out, get a monkey and, and all kind of, you know, be preaching to y'all with monkeys and stuff. Apparently that's his thing. That's <laughs> strange. But he had felt so guilty. Mm. He told me about his immature ways and the, the foul things he'd done with my mother. You know what I mean? He he liked gunplay a little bit too much. Anytime he get emotional, he'd bring a gun out. You know, He had um, a drug addiction. He was off of it at one season and on and one season, off and on, off and on. And he would feel so... Um, you know, embarrassed to, to even talk to me yeah. in his in-between seasons, but he would find himself sober and want to come talk to me. He lived a block away. So I hated this man's guts because when I found out how close he lived, I was like, yo, how could you have a child of your blood live less than two, three blocks away? Like I could see his house from my back window, from my bedroom window. Dang. And you, you, I don't know what you look like, bruh. Like, I don't know your name. How is that possible? There was a lot of pieces of the story I was missing. But I held, I harbored, not even held, I just harbored so much resentment. Like, I don't want nothing to do with him. And so when I got to know the guy, I'm like, you know, you kind of whack, but you kind of dope. You know, you're not so bad. You're not so bad. Like, I'm not cool with the younger yeah. you, but the older version of you, me and you is cool. And so I wanted him to know. It was really more so about my relationship with my dad because I would not call him my dad. Mm. Even when I write him, I'll call him Pops. Like, what's up, Pops? You don't get to be dad because I've had this dad and then I've had other people's parents be dad and and neither one of them things worked out. I done been abandoned by folks folks and been like, yo, you're not dating my people no more. Then we're not fooling with you no more. Yeah. Oh, word? Because just a minute ago, you was about to adopt me. We had paperwork and everything. Okay. So I'm cool. I'm, I'm traumatized by anybody thinking they about to be my dad. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need no more parental, parental figures. You know? right. <laughs> I'm good. I'm like, good on that part. So by the time me and him connected, it was on some like, yo, I'm not really looking for what you're trying to do right now. Like... You missed that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. That, that that mentality. But our relationship and our bond was like, yo, this is where I get this from. This is where I get that from. I'm like, yo, if I was a, if I was your son, right, I would right, end up right. the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, me, I got I got uh two sisters by him, and we all from different moms just a few months apart. You know, I'm the middle child, and then I got a little brother, got a whole nother mother, you know. So yeah. it's, it's he he did his thing, you know, he did his thing. But but the thing was like 
we had connected on the artistry. We had connected on our um, conversations with God. Mm-hmm. And we disconnected when I told him I was really like, I'm, I'm considering marrying this woman. He was like, you can't marry no woman. You know, <laughs> you are a woman. I said, what if I was born a him after that? But you weren't. I was there. You know, <laughs> he was like, he was not having it. He was like, that's yeah. as bad as carrying a forty in the church. You can't just be having. You know, think of somebody who had an alcoholic d- addiction. You know, so, so we had our issues. Mm. But the, I wanted him to know that there was love there. That that I I did find um, a belonging with him. You know, and I couldn't say it in words because he was so guilty. No matter what I said to him. Mm-hmm. He rejected it. So taking on Jones was really like, I, I fool with you, Pops. Like, we yeah, cool we people. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So River Jones. That's what it is. I kept Ciciana, you know. River Jones is what it is. River yeah. Ciciana Jones. Yeah. You have an amazing, beautiful story. Thank you. And I appreciate you sharing that story. Word up. Um, being so transparent and vulnerable. <laughs> you know, if we gotta say it, that's the only word my vocabulary knows right now. Yeah. But just thank you for being open and sharing your healing space and the work that you do amongst others. It's a beautiful thing, and there's not many people that look like us mm-hmm. in that space that's doing it the way that you're doing it. Like we know the traditional way of you know signing up for your therapy appointment weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. Right. But I believe that you're doing it in a way that's so raw, so real, so transparent, so loving, so different and unique that it's going to heal better than the average therapist probably could do with somebody who's gone through something like you. Right. Who somebody is just trying to say, you know, I just can't look at myself in the mirror. I get out of the shower and I turn around backwards. Well, the first thing right. I put on is my towel when I get out of the shower. Instead of saying, you know, I'm going to get out of the shower and just look at myself. Right. Or when I go to the beach, I gotta, I'm wearing the, the bathing suit under, but I got the coverall on top of me. Or I'm in the pool with my shirt on because I just don't love, you know, my man boobs or my stomach or my thighs or my big legs. And it's just like... Yeah. There's a River Jones out there for everybody. Yes, because that man right there, there's a woman who said, I want that chest to lay on. I don't want all them bone, pokey, muscular, keep all that. Facts. Because I want something I can squeeze. Exactly. Okay? So, th- th- trust me. It's something out there. I, I just had to say that. But anybody who's feeling that way, trust <laughs> for sure. me. Exactly. There's that woman. There's okay? that woman. There's yeah. that guy who just wants to love you. Yeah. For you. Who wants to hold you just for you. Who wants to hold all the broken pieces mm. and... Be the person that's helping you with the gold stitching and the gold mold yeah. that's pulling you back together and just being a part of being a vessel for you. That's a fact. Thank you. No, oh, thank you. Like this was, this is like my favorite episode so far. Um, it's it's your you just helped the podcast go in the direction I wanted to go in. Mm. Um, it's just like I've had guests on who shares like Jamel showed up. Oh, word. Y'all like neck and neck. <laughs> Y'all like neck and neck. Like we just, just finally got connected too about a week ago. So yeah, yeah. And he's the one connected us. We connected us. Should I say? I about to say we met before I yeah, met him. We, yeah, yeah. But he was like, "Y'all need to make." Yeah, this yeah, yeah, yeah. He re- reconnected us because I know we were um when you were here last year we were talking back when we see each other in passing. Right. Um. Yeah, because I used to take the trash out with you for granted. Yes, and yep, yep. You're the only person that was here on time to help and the last one to leave and Word help up. me still. And that was yeah. very appreciative. And, man, just I want to 
do a quick commercial real quick, and I want you to just close this out with something powerful, and then I want you to let people know where they can find you and how they can get connected with you to do the healing work that's needed to be done. Most definitely. So this episode here is sponsored by the Emboldened Institute. It's my program where I help individuals go through the healing process of trauma. If you've gone through something like a tra- traumatic situation, whether it be sexual, physical, emotional, the Emboldened Institute is here to help you become a better you and to see you in a better light. Right now, we're starting off with just a text club where I just text you daily messages of encouragement, power, wisdom. You can text me at 404-476-6780. That's 404-476-6780. There's no spam. There's no bots. It's all me. I'm texting you from my heart to yours. Just really just trying to help you do the healing work that River talked about. And that's just all it is. Just people who are in this healing space, we want you to just Understand that there's healing work that you have to do. There's healing work that you got to go through. There's stuff that you don't want to touch that you may not want to even see again. But there's in that process is where you find healing. Like River said, you know, just take me out. And in your taking out, you're being took into something new. And you're being took into a new life. And that's what we're here to help you do. So River, man, just close us out. Something beautiful, something peaceful, however, whatever you do, please. Word up. You know, in this in this time and space of my life, this is why I wrote um, From Painful to Peaceful, damn it, why I've been writing it. I thought I was going to produce it five years ago, but I was not healed enough to give mm. the gift of it. And, and what I realized, and when I say that, the healing is this, there is no greater love than loving yourself. And, and I say that because the more you love yourself, the more you can love others, right? Like there is a type of understanding that gets surpassed. Like it goes beyond intellect. It goes beyond information. It goes beyond facts. When you can truly forgive yourself, when you can truly support yourself, when you can truly have the discipline of love. So love yourself enough to take the disciplinary actions. Love yourself enough to speak to yourself, not chastising yourself about the healing what you shoulda, coulda, woulda done, but honoring yourself for what you attempted, honoring yourself for even giving the energy towards the healing, even if it went the complete opposite route, you know good and well of who you are reacclaiming yourself to be beyond the, the hurt spaces, right? So as you continue to recognize and see and visualize that version of you, the becoming of it is so natural that your supernatural just show up and show out without you needing to put so much hard hand on hand, you know, foot to foot work in that process. Love yourself. Yeah, that's that's the word. Love yourself. As far as um, connecting with me, I have a couple things going on. So not just the one-on-one sessions, but um, I officially have opened up the Flow Academy company, okay? So what we're doing here is an event called the Me Gym. And in this event, it's pretty much a virtual gym for mental and emotional health. And so in this process, what we do is writing therapy. We do the accountability. Um, We have a weekly call to make sure that you're able to have your Q&A session, okay, to make sure that you're able to have some practical tools to use. But you're getting educational sessions on how the mind, the human mind works, particularly how yours may be working, 
right? So you get to be the judge of that, right? But we, we give you tools that have been proven to use, things that I've used, but I know that everything that works for me is not going to work for everyone else. So I've also brought in tools and some friends to assist with this process. People who are not just in one sector, uh, spectrum of healing, but Reiki masters, you know, people who are pastors, people who are um, financial gurus. Sometimes the healing is just in managing finances. And when you can manage your time the way you manage your finances, and you budget your time and you invest your time and not just spend it. You ever thought about that, right? <laughs> How often do we just spend our time or just spend our money? Those things are so interconnected. The way you do one thing, I truly believe it, it pours out into how you um, how you move in all things, right? And so we're, we're talking about lifestyle shifts. This is going to be going on through December because we're going into the new year, the new you, you know? They say it takes about three months of therapy. Let's do it. Let's see what kind of transformation and alchemy that can happen within this three months. So I am on um, Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on really all social media platforms, but Instagram and Facebook is where you're going to find me most active, okay, um, in my email. So I can give that out. Um, MHC, that is Mental Health Coach River, R-I-B-E-R, MHC River at gmail.com. Or um, you can find me on Instagram at riverjones underscore flow. And when you tap that link in the bio, you'll find uh, this, these beautiful links to either the book or the program or even um, individual sessions. If you want a personalized moment with me, we can make that happen as well. Um, those are my favorite, to be honest. I, I just love being in the work with people and seeing the you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, whoa, it's that simple. Yes. Thing. I love that. And we don't have to see each other face to face. I am um, heightened in my empathic sensitivity. So we can just be over the phone and um, I can say things and feel it happens all the time. You're, you're going to say, how did you know that? Are you in my head? Right, right, right. <laughs> what? Like, who told you? Who did you talk to? Like, God snitching on me? Yes. <laughs> Word is. up. So, yeah, River Jones underscore flow or River C. Jones on Facebook. Uh, just reach out. Um, we also have a, a Flow Academy page. So, Flow Academy underscore 12 because region 12, you know, the boxer. Ah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but we're, we're are on Instagram as on those two pages. So, if you're looking for the lessons, um, rather than just reaching out to me, you'll see all that in, in the bio um, when you go to that page. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm oh, excited. our number, we have we have a number now. Okay. <laughs> it's 253, yes, area code from home. I know, I know, West Coast, 253-370-3262. So just uh, go ahead and text me flow, and you will definitely have F-L-O-W, flow. That stands for foundational love, outlandishly winning. Don't ask. Okay. The flow. Okay. So text text flow to 253-370-3262 and I will get back to you. Yes. All right. Listen, it gets no better than that. We are out. This is Lip and Bless the Podcast. I'm your host, Jovan J. Palmer. Lovely River Jones. We out. Peace.